Welcome to episode two of Night Voices. I'm your host, Matthew Nemchik. First up, reporters Juliet Aquino and Henry Kauke investigate the impact of COVID-19 on the holiday season. Uh, my own family is just going to have a very small holiday gathering of five people, uh, people that we've been in contact with in our immediate family for the past eight to nine months. And so we're not uh, celebrating, unfortunately, with our extended family. And so uh, we're hopefully going to be smart and uh, not expose anybody in our own family. going to be a problem, I think. Uh, kids coming from uh, schools where they might not be enforcing the guidelines as much as we try to do here, and then bringing uh, potential exposure situations back to their hometown, whether it be Arlington Heights or some other community. So uh, certainly it's going to be a problem and people are going to have to try to enforce that the best they can within their households. Biggest concern was that they'd be away someplace and get and, and contract COVID, and we wouldn't be there to help them. So it certainly was the biggest concern for me. Yeah, exactly. We were worried that they were really sick, and we couldn't be there to help them. I'll say for myself, I yeah. was worried first, uh, obviously. Uh, uh, there's this uncertainty or an unknown element to it. So that, that really kind of scared me. And that's typically not my reaction. I try to be the calm one. I try to uh, be, be uh, under control. But uh, I was scared at first. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very scary uh, because, you know, so we're older and you think, okay, I'm going to go, you know, help them or do you put them in the car and bring them home? Well, I mean, now you're all in the car together. 
So monitoring them, thank goodness we had FaceTime because you can kind of see in your kids' eyes and see how they're doing and you're constantly like, what's your temperature, how are you doing? But it's extremely scary and we, like for our daughter being eight hours away, you're in your head just doing the math of, okay, if we leave at eight o'clock at night, what time can we get there? Florida, the same thing. So it's nerve wracking, it's really scary and it's really the first time they're away being that sick without you being there to take care of them. I'm encourage all residents in Arlington Heights to be smart, uh, but try to enjoy the holiday season and uh, even in the midst of this pandemic to give thanks for all the blessings in our lives. Up next, Katie Clicker interviews two different prospect students to learn about their holiday traditions. The holiday season is among us and people are celebrating in all different types of ways. To find out more about some holiday traditions, I interviewed two prospect high school students, Rachel Winsky and Josie Garkish, to learn about their traditions. Rachel switches off every year for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day with her mom and dad. But for New Year's Eve, she does something out of the ordinary. My grandma makes us eat pickled herring. She says it's for good luck. Unlike Rachel, Josie does things a little bit differently since she celebrates both Hanukkah and Christmas. For Hanukkah, they light the menorah, say the prayers, and get a present every night. Then for Christmas, they have some other traditions. We... Um make raclette after we open gifts and so that's always really fun and then on christmas day we make goose and we do a lot of like on my dad's side a lot of the family recipes we make like um, red cabbage and stuff and it's really really delicious food plays a very important role in holiday traditions whether it's eating peppermint flavored food to family recipes it brings people together Spending time with your loved ones is also a huge holiday tradition. Normally I go with my aunts and cousins to this, like, to a musical at a theater down, um, downtown, but like obviously this year there's none. This year is going to be different because of COVID-19 restrictions, but the holiday traditions will still happen. For Night TV, this is Katie Clicker reporting. Next in line, Joyce Reyes, Francisco Racinos, and Michael Kanya get other people's side of the story of what was supposed to be an extended spring break into what turned out to be months of quarantine. Next week, I intend to sign an extension of our stay-at-home order with some modifications through Saturday, May 30th. On March 13, 2020, everything for the life of the night changed its course completely. Every student and teacher that attended school that day sat through half the class talking about the what-ifs of the situation at hand. Little did anyone know that those what-ifs became a what-now. In the perspective of the staff, they only knew the information given to them by the second. Psychology teacher Jay Howman recalls the information that was not only given to him, but other staff members themselves that day. Students were equally curious about what was going to happen, but as soon as news about getting an extra two weeks of spring break, all that was felt was excitement. Cole Liebrecht, a senior at the time, recalls how he felt when he received the news. 
I was excited. I, I just could sit at home and uh, play Minecraft with my friends all day and all night uh, and not have to think about anything. With all said and done, the extra two weeks of spring break were initiated, except what was thought was only an extra two weeks then became six months of quarantine. As quarantine rolled around, students found themselves having to finish off the rest of their year online. This took a major toll on the seniors. Very sad. I feel like I didn't get the closure uh, that I wanted. I feel like I couldn't uh, experience the rest of my year the way I wanted to. Not only did it take a toll on the seniors alone, but the mental health of many students, including senior Kyle McCluskey. Sure enough, after being held inside our own home for six months, things started to take a turn. Slowly but surely, new rules were made about how we would continue to live our lives. But that being said, everyone has been trying to implement the idea of social distancing and always wearing a mask as the new normal. From the beginning to now, the journey to make it through 2020 was quite the adventure. Together, we embarked many challenges, but faced the problems head on and pushed each other to become stronger, especially in this time needed. Whether it's through a screen, with masks on, or six feet apart, we continue to adapt and power through and make the best out of the situation handed to us. With Michael Kanya and Francisco Racinos, I'm Joyce Reyes reporting for Night TV. Next in order, Emma Letzik hosts the second episode of The Classified Night. Listen to stories from a prospect student who uses her entrepreneur skills to create trendy jewelry and sell it on her Etsy shop. This is The Classified Night. Each episode, you get to hear stories from one of your very own classmates at Prospect High School. The catch? You won't know who it is until the end of the episode. So follow along, pay attention to clues, and stick around to discover this episode's classified night. Our guest today is a sophomore. This student has her own business. She sells a variety of jewelry on her Etsy shop, including earrings, necklaces, and rings. Starting out, she was not expecting her business to be as successful as it is today. I kind of just did it. Like I bought some like stuff off of Amazon, not really thinking much of it. And then I started like, an, I just put it on Etsy and I, I like told my friends about it, but like not many other people. And I didn't think I would like grow that much, but like it's cool to see like where I am today. Although getting hundreds of sales is something fairly new for this person, she has always had the creative skills to pursue her Etsy shop. Ever since I was younger, I've kind of always done like stuff like this. I, I made like duct tape and like slime, like and stuff like that. And I've always like um, been kind of like an entrepreneur, I guess you'd say. And then... So I wasn't really scared in that sense, but, and then like once I got um, like a hundred sales, I knew I wanted to keep going and like continuing and like getting more sales and stuff. She makes trendy yet unique jewelry that appeals to young customers. You kind of just have to think out of the box because you want people to buy your products. You don't want to have like similar products to other small businesses because they're not going to be really interested in it if it's 
um like basically the same so you want to like you have to like definitely think out of the box like with your products so other people will be interested most products that she makes are handmade although some items such as rings she must source from places like amazon because she cannot make those on her own in terms of profit this student had to learn and explore the best way to be able to make a reasonable amount of money without charging her customers too much. In the beginning, I didn't um, really like, like, like look into any of that. Like I just kind of put prices on it and thought, okay. Um, but after like a while and like getting like all the items and like with my parents, they told me like, like just kind of, cause in the beginning they kind of helped me buy the products. And like now I do cause I'm able to, but I kind of had to see how much it cost to make them so then I could pay them back and stuff. Profit-wise, I kind of had to, like, see how much I was making if I was making, like, a good amount and see, like, if I should charge more. With much of the world connected through social media, this student knew that it would be an essential part of promoting her business. I have an Instagram and a TikTok, and then I have a Facebook, but I don't really know how to, like, use the Facebook. Um... But Instagram has helped me like a lot. Like I've um, collabed with other businesses and they've helped me like gain a lot of followers. Recently I've been getting a lot of followers cause I post like on the explore page, you can like discover my page. And that's like really helped with like gaining followers and gaining like new customers. One company, she was doing like a giveaway and she had like other businesses collab with her and I was one of them. And like that really helped. The battle between small locally owned businesses and large corporations has been ongoing for a long time. Each business type has something unique to offer their customers, although it is often claimed that most small businesses treat their customers better. Well, like larger corporations are not really putting much into it. It's mostly like cheaper quality, like worse quality. I mean, tens where you buy it from. And then small businesses, they put, like, a lot of, like, love into like, their packaging and, like, their orders and, like, everything. It's, like, more smaller base, so, like, it makes them a lot more happy when they get an order versus, like, a large business is, like, oh, another order. Looking ahead, this person knows that she wants to be her own boss and run a successful business. I definitely, like, in the future, I'd want to have, like, my own business of some sort. So, this is, like, a great way to, like, start it, I guess. After hearing about this student's entrepreneurial skills and successful business, the classified knight is Abby Bilecki. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Emma Letzig. Make sure to tune in next time to listen to new episodes of The Classified Knight. Last but not least, Matt Squilichodi and Nolan Hamilton find fans in their nearby city of teams that are relevant to their location and discuss how they became a fan of that certain team. Every kid is a fan of something, and when it comes to sports, some kids go off the beaten path. Growing up in or around Chicago, you are almost expected to root for your city's franchises. So why do so many people root for different teams? For young Jacob Groshek, it was simply a great first impression that made him a Charger fan for life. I remember specifically a Monday night game that I saw them play, like for I, where I vividly remember them for the first time. And as a, as a kid, I've always been loved with teams that pass the ball, and they were a pass-heavy team. And I think that mixed with the fact that I had Philip Rivers on my fantasy team, and he was lighting it up that year, really sparked my interest in the Chargers. But I also just loved how like their whole team came together. In the backfield, Rivers, deep shot from Rivers, over the shoulder! 
Mike Williams, what a grab! Rivers. Important memories of the team are the first ones you make. For prospect history teacher Mr. Schaefer, nothing was more important than the home run race. I have been a Cardinals fan since 1998. Um, I know the exact season because that's the home run derby race, not home run derby race, but the home run race between McGuire and Sosa. Down the left field line, is it enough? Gone! There it is! 62! Touch first, Mark! You are the new single season home run king! And I saw McGuire hit one of those home runs that year. And so ever since, uh, I've been a Cardinals fan. One of the most unique parts of being a sports fan is traveling to where your team plays and the effort it takes to go there, especially if your team isn't where you live. I think a total, I've been to LA to watch them in the soccer arena. We went to Indy to watch them. But almost always, the favorite place to watch their team is at home. The soccer stadium was so cool actually to watch them in because it's like, it's, it's better than a regular field because every seat's a good seat to watch the game. When Schaefer was asked by his wife about switching teams before he moved into the Chicagoland area, he can only give one true answer. I moved up here because I'm originally from Southern Illinois. Uh, my wife was asking, well, now that you're in Chicago, what sports team are you going to support? She asked the Bears, sure, you know, the, the Rams were not good to the city of St. Louis. Uh, basketball, I've never really cared too much about, so I can't really consider myself. Then she asked hockey, and I said, absolutely not, um, as a Blues fan. And so she asked, well, what about baseball? And this was right before our marriage, and I looked at her, and I was just like, I'm sorry, what suggestion are you making, and do you want this wedding to go through? <laughs> for Schaefer, being a Cardinals fan is an absolute family affair. But for Jacob, his family isn't into his fandom at all. I don't like it. I mean, my my mom doesn't really care, but my dad it will root heavily for the Bears in opposition. And it's kind of funny how we get into it sometimes, but the, the last time they met, Chargers got out-dueled, I believe, by like seven points. So it was not, not a good time. These types of passionate fandoms are the types to span generations more of fans. Nolan Hamilton and Matt Squid signing off for Night TV. That concludes this episode of Night Voices. Thank you for listening. This is your host, Matthew Nemchik, signing off. Make sure to check out episode 4 of our Night TV broadcast on Vimeo, and check back later for new Night Voices episodes.